1: Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie.
2: Welcome, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. Connie House Calls. I am just so excited about all the people who listen to the show. In fact, today I was having breakfast in Scottsdale, with an investment manager, a young man named Russell, and we were talking about our, our clients. And the first thing he said that made huge points with me was, Dr. Connie, I was listening to your show the other day, and <clears throat> something you said resonated with me. And you know what? It just made my day. The very fact that he listened to my show and that something resonated with him. So if you ever want to Provide high praise to a radio show talk host. Just say something you said resonated. And it's about resonating, meaning you touch somebody out there. And I always think of resonance and frequency. And we're all vibrating at different frequencies. And if you can connect with people in some way or another, touch them, you would have done a great deed. So I really thank him for, for sharing that. I've been really blessed to have so many emails and calls and Christmas cards this past December from friends from all over who've been listening to the show. And I want to do my honorable mentions just to get their names out there. I have really good uh, former White House nurse friends uh, who have retired and moved on in life. There's Deborah Beatty, who is our retired Air Force nurse in Colorado Springs. And she's with her daughters, Jennifer and Allison, enjoying life. There's Art Wallace, who's retired Army colonel in beautiful Honolulu, Hawaii, and his wife, Jenny, And he was, historically, our first male White House nurse. And one of the stories I tell was after Bush Sr. lost the election to Bill Clinton, we attended an event at a hotel, the the Marriott, beside the White House. And Tip O'Neill was the speaker at the House at the time. And I was standing in the hallway with Art Wallace, and we were wearing business suits, civilian clothing. And you couldn't tell who was who, other than the fact that we had... Our medical badge, uh, our badges on, but no names. And Tip O'Neill came out into the hallway and he looks at Art Wallace and he says, Oh, gee, what do you do? You know, what do you do at the White House? And Art says, I'm the nurse. And Tip O'Neill looks at him and here's Art, a studly guy, and he goes, You're the nurse. And then he looks at me and I said, I'm the doctor. And Tip O'Neill started to laugh. And then a few minutes later he said, Well, what's this on my hair? What's this on my rash? So, so uh, you never know, never uh, stereotype people, because we'll always surprise you. Another great nurse out there is Kathy Loveless in Poulsbo, Washington. She was my nurse in Port Wainemi, California, an amazing emergency room nurse. We used to run a clinic in Port Wyneme, California back in the 80s, and I was in charge of the screening clinic, where we would screen patients, triage them, and then send them off to other facilities. And a lot of times we call it the screaming clinic because you have babies crying and people yelling. And Kathy was always very calm about things, except when you knew she got frustrated, she would come into my office, she would go to the wall, and start pounding her head against the wall. And I would say, okay, this is a really tough patient, Kathy. And she said, oh, yes. So hopefully the bruises on her forehead have recovered after all these years, and she's enjoying a great retirement in Washington State with her husband and two sons. The other doctor out there is Dr. Lud Depish in Tucson and his wife, Rosemary. Lud Depish is the author of the book, The White House Physician, A History from Washington to George Bush. He interviewed me about five or six years ago for this book. And when he interviewed me, it really struck a chord in me because I realized, gee, I've had so many people interview me about what I did at the White House. I really need to write my book. So really, Lud Defish led me to write my book. Other people I'd like to mention in my honorable mentions are Linda Porter. He used to be in the registrar's office at Uniformed Services University, my medical school in Bethesda. Herman Shannon, who is a delightful octogenarian in Scottsdale, Arizona, looking for a beautiful wife. I need to send him to our psychic healer here that maybe she can see his future wife and Juliet Beasley, a dear friend of mine from high school Mar Vista who was homecoming queen during her years in Mar Vista. So, greetings to all of you. Just a few things I want to mention <clears throat> before we go on with our show. I want you all out there to consider getting the flu shot if you haven't gotten the flu shot already. We've seen an up an uptick, an increase in people with the flu. Definitely In many of the states, 29 of the states have reported flu-like activity. So far, we've lost 18 children to the flu. Uh, We've lost four people in Boston this week to the flu. According to the CDC, the flu is going to be worse this year than normal. It started earlier. It's going to cover a broader region in the country. So far, about 2,200 people have been hospitalized to the end of last December. In my clinic alone in the past week, I've had about eight people calling me that they think they have the flu, Uh, The majority, fortunately, have had a viral syndrome, not the flu, but a cold. And so how do you differentiate the flu? You have a fever greater than 101. You You can have severe headache, congestion, and diffuse body aches. You feel like you've been hit by a truck. If you think you have the flu, call your doctor. Let your doctor know. Uh, They will test you if this is a flu with a nasal swab, whether this is influenza A or B. If it is truly the flu, you should (laughs) respond to Tamiflu, which is an antiviral medication and it only works for the flu. It doesn't work for a cold. So if you've got a cold and you take Tamiflu, it's not going to do anything. And we really don't want to give that to you because it uses up all the supplies of Tamiflu that we we would reserve for the flu. So be out there, make sure you wash your hands. If you cough, cough into your sleep. If you're sick, don't go to work. Stay home. Don't infect everybody with it. So far, I've had patients tell me they got it from everybody in the office and everybody has gotten sick. So wash your hands. If you do get a cold, Uh, I always tell people stay at home, Tylenol for aches and pains, clear liquids, chicken soup works folks, even my Jewish friends swear, swear by it, chicken soup does work, and if you get worse with worsening cough, shortness of breath, you gotta go see your doctor, get some help. This show today really came about because of several incidences in my clinic the past two weeks. Yesterday, one of my patients who I followed for the last eight years, 78-year-old gentleman, who for the last 10 years has suffered with an awful form of dementia and kidney failure is now starting to die. Uh, he, his kidneys are failing. <clears throat> He's sleeping more often. Today, he started to bleed rectally. And the family's decision, as well as his, was to let him go, to let him die in peace, and to die in peace at home. And so I've already arranged for Hospice of the Valley, who are our angels here, to come in and help the family. And death is imminent, and it's expected. The family is saying goodbye, they're preparing, and it's what he wants. It's what he wanted for quite a while. On the other hand, something that came up in the last two weeks was a death in a family that was totally unexpected, and it was too soon to believe. And that was in a family of one of my patients whose 40-year-old daughter died suddenly uh, the week before the holidays. A uh, 40-year-old healthy mother, wife, mother of two children, her nine-year-old son found her dead early one morning, and it was horrific to lose a child, and my patient was beside herself. You know, how could you lose a child? Um, you know, and you think of <clears throat> the people who lost their children in Newtown, you think of the people in 18 families who lost a child to the flu, it's it's unthinkable, but it happens, and it happens every day. And, you know, here in these two cases, I have a patient whose death is inevitable. In a lot of ways, it's welcome. My 78-year-old patient whose life is going away, and he's welcoming it. And then you have a family uh who's lost a daughter unexpectedly. And what do you do when you lose somebody unexpectedly? You know, how do you deal with that? And... I came about thinking about that more and this is why I invited the two healers today to my show. My first guest is Lisa Wire, and I've known Lisa for about 8 or 9 years now. And Lisa came to me uh because she was uh, is an expert in bereavement uh an educator in death and dying and bereavement, but she had or she ran an organization called Camp Pause, Camp Peace. In Scottsdale, <clears throat> excuse me. And at about 10 years ago, my cousin who was active duty Air Force enlisted in Cutter died in a vehicle accident, left behind his widow and his two, his three children, and they were inconsolable. And I spoke to Lisa and she was amazing in advising the family how to get help. And she offered them the, the opportunity to go to Camp Paws, which was helping children deal with death and dying and loss of a family, loss of a family member. And so we've kept in touch over the years, and I thought of her when I thought of this family of mine that has lost the daughter. But also I, I will need her most likely with this other family whose father is going to pass away because no matter how hard you try, nothing can really prepare you for the loss of a loved one. So I've got Lisa today who's going to to share with you in the next segment what she does with death and dying, how she helps families and helps children, how to prepare them for that, but really, how do you cope? How do you move on with life? And really, with moving on with life, it also made me think, you know, you can also offer people more things than therapy, grief, bereavement, counseling, medications. You can offer them hope. And I have been an advocate and a user of other forms of healing, and I call them my healers. I, I have been to several psychics, mediums, astrologers in the last 10 years. And I found comfort them with them in my life. I've been surprised by the things they project, have, have projected and seen and, and things that have come true. And I've just been amazed by their gifts and their ability. And I'm rather an unconventional doctor, people would say. I'm board certified internal medicine. I'm a woman of science, but I also believe You need to do what it, what works to help your patients, even if it means branching out to psychics and mediums and astrologers. And one of my friends told me about Susan Stockton. In fact, it was my massage therapist, Robin Burning, who I used to see in Washington DC. Robin was visiting Scottsdale to visit family. And she says, you have to see my, my psychic medium therapist. In that way, my psychic healer, Susan Stockton, who just moved to Arizona, and so I went right away. And that was probably about seven, six or five years ago, five or six years ago. And she amazed me incredibly with the things that she said and saw. And I think I brought her on, well, primarily brought her on today to give us hope and what she does in her work with touching families who have lost loved ones and who have dealt with bereavement and sorrow and suffering. So this show today is dedicated to a gal named Lori who died too young, but also to the families out there who are losing their loved ones and to the children. And so in the next uh, few minutes, we're going to go to a break, but please stay tuned because I think everyone can benefit from this show today, listening from Lisa about uh, learning about dealing with death and dying and suffering, but also listening to Susan Stockton, who is a psychic healer, about hope and that you really never die, you really never go away, that the ones who pass over, it's like they go into another world, another reality, but they're always there for us. And if you can connect, I think you can bring peace to a lot of people who suffer, who've lost loved ones. So please stay tuned for this amazing show on loss, but also about hope. Stay tuned.
3: your world motivate change succeed
4: voice America is heard wednesdays at noon eastern 9 a.m pacific on voice america variety
1: we all want peace we all desire a more meaningful life we work hard to achieve these things but at what avail the key is authentic living with andrea matthews andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own i am
5: Build a better business, achieve that goal, make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed.
1: You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 346 346 9141. You may also send an email to Dr. Connie Radio at gmail.com. That's DRConiRadio at gmail.com. Now back to House Calls with Dr. Connie.
2: Welcome back to Dr. Connie House Calls. And this is going to be rather a painful show for me because it deals with death and dying. But on the other hand, it gives you a lot of hope because of our our speakers today. I have with me for my next speaker, uh, Lisa Weir. Did I pronounce it right? We did, yeah. I pre- I've known you how many years? I, know, I, have, I just know you as loving Lisa, Lisa Weir. <laughs> and I've known Lisa for about eight to nine years mm-hmm. when you were running Camp Pause and helping so many people with grief and bereavement. Can you share with our listeners how you got into this business where mm-hmm. you have to carry Kleenex with you all the time?
6: Yes, such you, such you do. Sad stories. <laughs> You know, after I finished school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I believe that lives intersect for for reasons that we always don't know. And um, I first started in the field in the Phoenix Fire Department. I had been approached by a friend of mine who suggested that I would be really good at crisis response. And I looked at him and thought he was absolutely crazy, couldn't deal with my own stuff, let alone walk alongside somebody else and help them. And I had a sister that was killed when she was 15, and that was definitely one of the things that drew me to the work that I did. Um, So I started with the fire department, and then I was approached by another individual who mentioned uh, a local doctor who had started Camp Paws. And at the time, it was a bereavement camp for children who had experienced a death in their life. Um, and eventually, you know, one thing led to another. I volunteered for a couple camps. Um, I then ended up running the organization, and we created uh, ultimately Stepping Stones of Hope, uh, which is still in existence. I was with them for about nine years, providing all sorts of um, grief support programs for children and adults.
2: You know, I think of all the amazing things you have done for Stepping Stones of Hope, and you even won, I think, the Phoenix uh, uh, Healthcare yeah. Heroes Award that I one did. year. Just I did. amazing. You know, I look at what you do, and you had mentioned you used to work with fire and rescue. Do you get called, you got called yes. to the scene of an accident?
6: Yes. Um, for 17 years, we, our units were, di- were uh, housed in the fire stations, and there were three or four units in town, and we would get dispatched to all sorts of tragedies, but probably 85% of what I dealt with was death related. So either a natural death, a homicide, a traffic fatality, um, suicides, overdoses, those types of things, and we were really there to advocate for the families, and and help them understand what was going on, why it was going on, why all the questions. Sometimes detectives and medical examiners and those types of individuals were on scene. And, and really trying to, to help the family gain just a little bit of control over a situation that they had no control. I
2: remember when I uh, was training at Ben Taub Hospital in Houston. And uh, the emergency room doctor was walking us through, actually, a lot of ambulance training. Mm-hmm. And we went to the home <clears throat> of somebody, somebody who had a heart attack. And they were doing CPR and mm-hmm. shocking and defibrillating. And the family was aghast. They yes. were shocked. They mm-hmm. were standing there, and there was blood and serum, mm-hmm. everything all over And I watched the emergency room doctor uh, and some of the parents go over to the family who was watching and said, this is what they're doing, Mm -hmm. and explaining their, you know, doing compressions, trying to get blood flow, and explaining it and saying, this is, we're doing everything we can. But when you go to a scene, Lisa, and when you see a family there, let's say a loved one has died. I Mm -hmm. mean, you see, it's horrific. What do you say? What are the
6: words that you use? You know, I... I I can't even tell you the words necessarily because it just comes from within. I mean, there's not magic words. There's not magic fairy dust. I mean, what I've learned over the years is that, that a physical presence, a true physical presence is, has much greater, um, I guess families just need people there, and to be there. Um, their presence is more important than words. Just holding their uh, hand, and just holding their putting hand, putting your arm around, them. putting your arm around them, you know, and advocating for them, doing what you say you're going to do, trying to explain why things are happening in the way they're happening, and even after a death, like in the hospital or with detectives, explaining what the family will see if their loved ones has, you know, still innovated or those types of things. And I have uh, an extra passion for bereaved children. Um, I am a huge advocate for, for being very forthright and honest with children, and obviously developmentally appropriate, appropriately and age appropriately, but children, um, they know. They just sometimes don't know how to ask the questions.
2: Let's say I would ask for you to go to this home of the mm-hmm. family where the 40-year-old mother mm-hmm. died, left behind a 9-year-old right. boy, 6-year-old mm-hmm. girl. Right. Let's say we asked you to come in as mm-hmm. a educator, mm-hmm. as a crisis intervention mm-hmm. expert. What would you do? How do you do
6: that? The first thing I do is, is try and build trust with the child. I mean that's first and foremost. I mean obviously I would talk to to the husband at first and make sure that I understood what the children knew because I those specifics are necessary so that I don't cross a line that maybe I shouldn't cross, but also I'm very respectful of what the family believes. Mm-hmm. So I try and gauge from the adults and the kids' lives first. And then sometimes with the kids, it's, it's really about getting on their level. I mean, I'd be the first one to be sitting on the floor and just having a very, very casual discussion and um, I might might say that you know daddy had called me and uh, explained a little bit about my background again age appropriately mm-hmm. and that I had heard their mommy had died mm-hmm. um, and and just start the conversation that way and usually when you're on that child's level and and they can look into your eyes and you're not judging them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you're allowing them to ask the questions. Sometimes the questions that they ask are so poignant and they've already maybe asked daddy, but maybe they didn't ask daddy because they're afraid of upsetting daddy. What do they usually ask? <laughs> There's so many. Depends on the age range, but I've had questions like, is mommy wearing a halo now? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had questions from, especially in little, little ones about, about, well, what's gonna happen now? What, what, what does that mean? Do they get buried in the ground? Mm-hmm. Often what they see on TV, too. There's a lot of misinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm very factual with children. Very, very empathetic and very compassionate, but very factual. And using the right words. Um, I don't use euphemisms. I don't say things like, you know, we lost daddy or, you know, I'm sorry you lost mommy or mommy's in heaven now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that may be what the family believes. But you say they but died? I, 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 they died. They yes. died. I'm sorry your mommy died died. Right. And sometimes depending upon the age not at 6 and 9 they understand what died means mm-hmm. typically mm-hmm. but a little bit younger I would ask the child what do you think died means? Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. gives me a really good gauge as to where the child is developmentally. Mm-hmm. And then I go from there. Well, do you you also help fam of the yes. parents, the yes. father, the you know, yeah. what do you re-
2: for adults? Right. What do
6: you do with them? You know, I, in, a, in a perfect world sometimes adults aren't ready to quote unquote go there themselves yeah. and they are, especially a grieving parent, are, are most concerned about their child or children. Mm-hmm. And so often um, the adults kind of come in secondarily, but it, in a perfect world, I like to work with the children as well as the adult family members, independently and then collectively as a family unit. Um, and actually by going into the home as well, it's, it's typically the safe zone for families. It's mm-hmm. that safe place mm-hmm. where they can be their most honest and their most true, mm-hmm. but it's also a place that houses their grief. Mm-hmm. And... And ultimately, if I can work with the child or the children and the adults together as that family unit, teaching them that that ultimately joy is possible, ultimately moving forward is possible. Life is never going to be the same. But unfortunately, we often don't teach our children healthy coping skills or skills to deal with any kind of loss, let alone death loss. Um, and the other thing that often happens is, I sometimes with the adults will start by educating them about children's grief because it's, it's not as threatening as their own grief and helping them understand how children grieve um, because children and their grief is often, often misunderstood and misread. Tell, tell me about what children's grief is mm-hmm. like. How do they grieve? Children, I always say they're like light switches. You turn them on and you turn them off. I mean, one minute they're grieving, the next minute they're playing basketball. Yeah. You'll be in a grocery store, and all of a sudden they'll tell everybody they see, oh, my daddy died, my daddy died, my daddy died. Because they they need to keep repeating it because they don't believe it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they often, they most definitely grieve through play. Um, they grieve through acting out, sometimes mm-hmm. even violent play. Mm-hmm. And, but it's a way for them to express their feelings because they can't find the words necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the reasons, like, I use a lot of art and music at very, kind of games, very non-threatening interventions to support kids. Because if we sat down on a couch and just talked about mommy dying, we're not gonna get very far. But, but being at their level and talking with them at their level, that's what works. Are you seeing clients now or helping families as yes. well? Can
2: you tell us about your practice so mm-hmm. that if people want sure. your assistance and your education and
6: your right. guidance? Right. Well, what what I have found is um I relatively recently at the at the end of last year I started a business called Grief Etc. And what I have found in our community is number 1 with all my 20 some years in bereavement there is not enough support for children and families. We're the fifth largest city in the nation and only two support agencies, primarily for children and families after a death loss. And so my practice is based on me going into the home, working with either a child independently or maybe with a sibling group depending upon the situation, um, and then ideally trying to bring the, the parent or the grandparent or the adults along as well. Mm-hmm. Um, typically one-hour session, sometimes an hour and a half. It really depends on the situation. Um, but then I also do a lot of grief education. The whole basis of my practice is educate, educate, educate. Everything from I, I really want grief to be, an approachable subject. It's a tough subject. The word died and suicide and homicide, those are horrific things to have to say, but they are reality. And um, so I do a lot of education in the schools, in the medical community, the first responder communities as well, um, and I'm also available for crisis response. Um, I've been called out to schools after tragedy, and although they have a crisis team, sometimes it's so overwhelming that they really don't know what to do. And sometimes a stranger coming in from the outside can help facilitate that. Um, and I'll go classroom to classroom and, and break bad news, so to speak, age appropriately. How do people contact you, Lisa? Uh, there's a couple different ways. Uh, my email is lisa at griefetc.com. So lisa, L-I-S-A, at G-R-I-E-F-E-T-C, dot com. Uh, My personal cell phone number is 602-386-8555. And I also have our web- website, griefetc.com, again, G-R-I-E-F-E-T-C, dot com, Um, And just please keep in mind that website is brand new and it's not remotely what I want it to be, but it was important to have something up and I'm working with a developer right now to kind of make it pretty and and um, much more my style, but right now there's just basic information. You know, you're amazing, and
2: I really will. I'll talk to that family about yeah. encouraging them to see you, the children to see you, because children are special, okay. especially now in this most difficult time. Thank you, Lisa. Please stay tuned because I'm going to interview some more after uh, we talk here with Susan Stockton in the next break. But, everybody, that was Lisa Weir, who is a grief- uh, therapist, well actually grief advisor, uh, educator and uh, she gave the information we'll also have on our website. So stay tuned on the Dr. Connie show. We'll have Susan Stockton who is our psychic healer. Stay tuned.
3: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
1: Want the inside scoop about what's going on in the social networks of art and entertainment? Tune in to Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4 We'll talk to the top professionals in the entertainment industry and find out what they're working on and what's next. Your host is James Barber, who has his finger on the pulse of the arts and entertainment world. Star Power Hour, brought to you by Fortalent.com, Live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
4: Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Green Living Channel.
5: We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment.
1: You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one You may also send an email to radio at gmail.com. That's radio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie.
2: Welcome back. We just finished the first half of our show speaking with Lisa Weger, who works with children in grief and bereavement. And loss is inevitable in our lives, and I tell A lot of times my patients, you know, you're grieving, you're hurting after losing a loved one, and that's the price you pay because you love somebody. If you didn't love anybody, you wouldn't hurt, right? And I've been very fortunate in my life to have met Susan Stockton. I met her about eight or nine years ago. Somebody referred her to me, and I consider Susan Stockton one of my consultants who are healers who are reputable, who know what they're doing she's had over 20 excuse me 27 years of practice many clients around the world she does private readings she is a psychic healer but also considers herself as a transmedium channel where she allows entities of higher consciousness, both living and dead, to use her voice and relay messages to the living. And she's given me tremendous hope. I'm so happy that she finished her memoir, Visions and Visitors. I'm going to help her find an agent so we can get this published. So welcome, Susan, to the Dr. Connie Show. Thank you, Connie. Um, you're one of the unusual people. Because
7: you actually admit that you go to a psychic.
2: Really? Well, Nancy Reagan used an astrologer. I mean, you know, people, I find whatever's going to work, works. Um, I find people have different gifts and talents, and I consider you forms of healing for my patients. I also want to let you know you have a fan. I'm going to read this. We just got an email from Ed Stockton. Uh, you know them. He says, please let my sister Susan Stockton know that her brother has a fam. Her brother and his family is online listening from Stockton, California, and is supporting her. We love her. And, you know, your clients love you, Susan. Can you share briefly sort of your journey? I know it's all in your book, which I'm going right. to, when you come back and you publish it, I'm going to have people uh, know about it. But can you share how you got to where you are?
7: Yes, I can. And uh, what I'd like my brother to know, I'm always uh, sort of aghast when he seems interested because there are seven children in our family. Three are psychics. And my mother had the gift. So, of course, he doesn't think he has the gift, but he's the littlest of seven. And of course, Ed, you've got it. So, having said that, um, we were from a very religious Catholic family, um, I had visions when I was six years old of the Blessed Virgin, which all this is in my book, okay. but these are things that took a lot of guts to write the book, actually. And so in my practice, uh, to, you know, go back to what Lisa was saying in her very powerful ability, she is truly a healer herself. And I think that when people cross over, my children my grown children needed help after their father passed away in march of 212 and a lot of people come to me as a medium or wanting to touch with the dead but sometimes they just come through when they but when it's fresh i would say that it's individual mm-hmm. because i think they should assume that their grief is blocking whatever um You know, people do what they feel they have to do. But truly, I feel like they should, if they're so inclined, try to attract the soul to them themselves by sitting down, finding a quiet place in your own home where it's peaceful. You're not anxious with someone you've never been to or you've never gone to a medium and you have all this anxiety. Light a white light a candle, probably like one of those glass ones, and light that. And the reason for that is what happens is you, we had candles in church and incense for centuries. Why? They're swinging the incense, and they're saying mass, and they're lighting candles in order to keep out any lower entities. And so do that for yourself, and then attempt to talk to your loved one. And if you didn't get to say something to them before they died, which happened in the case of our mother, Ed knows this, um, my mother committed suicide with her rosary next to her. And that took a lot of healing, trust me. But just sit there and attempt to tell them everything you wanted to tell them. Don't even ask for them to come in. I mean, they're getting settled in their new home. So just tell them it's okay They're gone, you miss them, you expect to communicate with them, but you realize it's divine timing when you connect with each other. And that will sort of release some of that, because I think it's very difficult. I've had people right after the grief, because they had been to psychics, they'd been to mediums. And the other thing is, I consider myself a, a channel, but I ask for it telepathically. I do not like, um, if you've seen channelers, like some of the famous ones, you contort, they enter through the back of your neck, and I just, my gatekeeper normally keeps that out. I do not want to contort my face or my body or whatever. So, And that can be very frightful to a person, mm-hmm. too, especially in grief. So that would be my suggestion, would to wait until you feel calm. You don't want to spend a fortune on a healer and then cry the whole hour. I mean, and that's what happens. I have done that.
2: A lot of times when <clears throat> one of my, oops, I, maybe once or twice a year, some there'll be a death among my patients. Um, last year, one of my patients was married close to 60 years, loving relationship. Her husband died of lymphoma. And when I comforted her in my office, I, I asked her, does he come back to you? And it was, she didn't want to admit it, but she says, you know, he does. I said, how do you know? She says, he flicks the lights on and off. And I did see him down the hallway. And she says, I know it sounds crazy, but I can I can sense him. I can smell his aftershave lotion, and I dream about him. And then there are the others who feel bad because they don't see them, they don't hear them, why doesn't he come back? Tell me about your clients. Do you see a lot who, who have lost somebody and over time have un- unresolved guilt, unresolved uh, grief? And what is what do you
7: usually do with them? Well, absolutely. I mean, that's why people many times choose to come, um, to find some kind of peace. And I have a wonderful gatekeeper. St. Anne of Cleves has been with me for my whole life. So you don't want lower energies to attempt. I just was telling Lisa that I do a clearing in my room before a client and afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so I have a reading room. It's just for reading because I think that what you have to do is sort of make the space and allow the healing to come in which, because everybody heals different, you know, faster, slower. Some people hang on for years and years. And so I just, I really feel like, um, I feel like there's a spirit in here actually. Okay. What do you hear? Well, who's the spirit? Can you tell? Yes, I can, but somebody we know somebody in the room, well, tell me, who is it? I think it's Lisa's family, but actually I'm asking her that this isn't appropriate. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, other than that, she's around her very much. Oh, Lisa. Um, okay. How old was she? I'm getting chills. I am two. I get... Was this your sister? Your sister's here? Mm-hmm.
5: Uh-huh.
7: Do you feel her, Lisa? I do. Yeah. I'm she's told very often.
6: Much. Yeah, I'm told often. Yeah, it's she's cold in here. Yeah,
7: oh. yeah, I just get chills all over. So yeah, on so television. I know. <laughs> so that's, you know, one part of my practice. And then many people just come. Um I do private readings, I do businesses. In DC I did quite a few of businesses. I haven't actually done that many here, but I had a regular clientele where I will not tape anything because A business is different. I'm sitting there as, this is used quite a bit in Japan, evidently. There's a name for it. You sit at, a psychic sits at the table. They don't record it. And they go ahead and they tune in to each person. I mean, only the CEO really knows who you are. Right. I I say, they don't get it. I mean, I say I'm a psychic consultant, but they don't really get it. And then you go around the room and I say, Something about everybody privately.
2: And you're pretty right on. When I asked you one time, you know, you know, none of the people I mentioned in my reading and it was unbelievable. I wouldn't mention name and you were just naming, you were just describing them as they are. Yes. But when you say business, do you guide them in terms of whether they go public or whether they sell?
7: Yes. It's interesting because men generally have two readings. I mean, they'll come and do their personal life and then they'll come and do their company or their business or their job. And I have, it always kind of amuses me later at the time. It's, you know, sort of what's going on here. But I had this fellow who wanted his boss's job. This was in Virginia. And he kept saying, what, um, is going to happen? Am I going to get the job? Am I going to get the job? And I said, I don't know. All I get is he leaves. He goes, well, does he get another job? I said, no, he's not working. And then he came again and said, What am I going to do? Am I going to get promoted? I said, I don't know what happens to him, but he's just gone. I mean, like he leaves the planet. So he called me up on a Saturday night,
4: really late. He goes, Susan,
7: can you talk? And I go, What is it? What is it? My boss dropped dead on the golf course of a heart attack. Oh, my gosh. And he got the job. Oh, my gosh. So it's he wouldn't have hung in. But you did you see it? Did you hear it? You just knew? Well, I get things auditorily, you know, I'm clairaudient, clairvoyant, and clairsentient. Okay, but so you don't here. see
2: lottery numbers.
7: <laughs> I try, I try. I just, you know, I'm just, i pretty lucky gambling, but I do Do you? Try, yeah. But no,
2: I haven't gotten any lottery numbers. Oh, <laughs> Well, you know, I asked my astrologer, Mary Ann Dennison, the other day when she was reading for me, I said, do you see me winning the lottery? She says, no. <laughs> no. I said, well, do you see lottery numbers? She said, hey, if I saw them, do you think I'd be doing this for a living? But uh, we're, we're, but going back to what you do with healing, I, I just find it amazing because you really help a lot of people. In the case of my patient, I, I'm going to tell her about you. I'm going to say, please consider seeing you when it's time. Right. And then you would channel the daughter. Would you be able to? Well,
7: I can't guarantee anything because the entity alone decides whether they want to come if They want to come forth. Yeah. What
2: do you think of shows like The Long Island
7: Medium? Do you ever watch her? I do. I'm. I think she's very accurate. I I do think she's accurate. I find it offensive. I mean, if someone came up to me in a store and started talking about my mother's suicide, I would be mortally
2: horrified. You're not asking for that. What are you coming up?
7: Yeah. And so generally, I don't volunteer information unless the person seems interested. I feel that they would call me if they want an appointment. If a friend asks a question, I know they want an answer.
2: Well, what we'll do, is stay tuned, everybody. Right. We're, we're more, I, I do want to ask, uh, Susan Stockton some more, especially in the next section about how to contact her as well through the telephone, not through the psychic channels. But stay tuned because I'm going to have, uh, Susan on board as well as Lisa Weir on board as well. So stay tuned for more of the Dr. Connie Show on loss and hope. Mm-hmm.
8: Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking.
5: live up to your full potential you've heard that for years but now there's a channel to help you get there introducing the voice america empowerment channel get motivated hear about success stories and positive encouragement the voice america empowerment channel is the home of the world's top life coaches entrepreneurs and success experts listen to the voice america empowerment channel it's your world motivate change succeed This is the home of the top light coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel.
1: You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Dr. Connie Radio at gmail.com. That's drconnie radio at gmail.com. Now, back to house calls with Dr. Connie.
2: Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We've had an amazing show today, and I've been uh, talking over the last few minutes with psychic healer Susan Stockton and how she helps so many people connect with those who have died, who have passed over, and different spirits. In fact, uh, Lisa Weyer's sister is here uh, visiting us, her sister who is deceased for 25 years, who, who visits us. And it's interesting watching in the studio, the temperature dropped. It's cold anyway, but it dropped even further. And Susan sensed it and as well as Lisa. But, Susan, can you share with the audience how we can get hold of you? If they want to get a reading or you to speak for a group, how would they contact you?
7: Um My website has all my information on it. It's www.susanstockton.com and my phone number is 480-279-1329 um i can do a reading by telephone and i could still make you a cd for you cuz i have a live cd player or we can do it on skype i have um i've clients in china that use skype and the little groups throughout the world that all referred me to other people and in that sense um you could just contact me on my website my email is Sue Seer at SusanStockton.com or give me a call, whichever is comfortable. I usually set up my appointments in advance and I read from 11 o'clock on mountain time uh, because all the time zones gets very confusing for people. So um, I'd love to have you for a client.
2: She's great, everybody. She. I, I will have her information on our website, too, if you need to reach her. You can email me, and we can forward it to you. Susan, in your work as a psychic, as a healer, mm-hmm. as a medium, have you had any oh-wow moments you personally experienced when you're doing these readings? Well, I'm always completely
7: shocked when, you know, five years later, um, someone tells me you mm-hmm. a specific cap and, and expects that I know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not remember anything I mean, if I read for them several times, I know their husband's name or whatever, but I have no knowledge of what I've said. So that's always very shocking to me. Um, and and one such scenario was um, I had this older woman who had one child who was grown up but not married, and she wanted a grandchild so bad. And I said, you'll have one. And I gave her this bizarre name, kind of as bizarre as Apple. Mm-hmm. And she called me up 15 years later. <gasps> and said, my daughter just called me from the hospital in California, and I can't remember the name. She's out there listening, she'll remember it. She said, we're going to have our baby, and we've decided, we found out it was a girl, and we're naming it this completely bizarre name, and I had given it to her 15 years before. Oh my goodness. So that was like
2: shocking. Well, let's see, when did I, I think I first saw you when I started dating my husband, so 2008, around 2008, 2009, just before my book was written, And you described to me, and you won't remember because you were channeling, Mm -hmm. you described for me, because I had you tell me about my stepchildren. and you told me at the time you saw her getting married, and the scenario was it would be in a large group of people, this wonderful guy would come up and try to make eye contact, and she wouldn't even pay attention. And finally... They would meet. Somebody would introduce him They'd fall in love, and he's like the perfect guy for her. Almost like a very similar in characteristics to her father, who she gets along with very well. And they would marry and have two to three children. Well, she just got engaged uh, last year. They're getting married in October, and they met at the Phoenix Open. She was in a crowd <coughs> of people. She was in a crowd of people, and they um, he walked up. He walked up to her and made contact and discussed and. You know, I just think it's amazing with that. My experience, sometimes people go, are you a, um, you know, what what is it with you as a doctor that you connect? And I said, you know, I use it in my personal life. I find it interesting. There are sometimes there are people who say they're medical intuitives who, when I can't figure out what's wrong with a patient, they will say, I will say, you know, I honestly, I've done everything I can to figure you out. I can't find anything wrong with you. You know, the psychiatrist says there's nothing wrong with you, but you still think there's something wrong. Would you mind if I send you to somebody who is reportedly a very good medical intuitive? And they will find things like check the kidneys, maybe this is it, maybe it's in in a... And it's sort of hard to justify to the... Medical establishment. Well, why are you sending her to work up? Because the medical intuitive said that. But I find it interesting how Susan said that foreign countries, people will use you. I know my husband's company did a deal with a company in India and they did not sign the contract until the astrologer blessed the time and the exact, you know, the date and time of the signing. And I will periodically, for example, when I'll go interview for special, you know, very important events, uh, special meetings like with my agent or where potential television shows, I will ask my astrologer, what is the date? Give me a date. And true enough, it's worked out well. But one of the things I wanted to ask both Lisa and Susan, you you both have very stressful lives. You deal, Lisa, with death and dying, and Susan, you deal with people's grief and you help
6: them. But how do you find joy? Lisa, I'll go to you. How do you find joy? You know, for me, it—I will admit that it took me many years to figure out what that was. Um, I used to think that it was, you know, being in the gym two hours a day and powerlifting and and being in control, so to speak. But what I've found over the years, particularly after some difficult health journeys the last couple of years, is the joy for me is really—it's very simple. It's—it's it's spending time outside. Not around other people, just needing my space around me. Um, having an amazing support group that I am uh, very, very blessed that they support have supported me through anything and everything in my life, and and really having a different set of priorities in my life from everything that I've borne witness to, and trying to keep those in check doesn't always happen, but I try.
2: You know. You brought something up about not being peopled out, as mm-hmm. I say. You know, when I've had a busy day, mm-hmm. patients non-stop, I just want to come home and be quiet. Mm-hmm. I Very don't want to, so. I don't want to answer any questions. Right. I don't want to write a prescription. Right. I just want to, I just want to chill. Right. I just want to be silent. How about you, Susan? What, how do you find joy and peace? Well, I did one of two things. I have a lot of body work, uh, massage,
7: acupuncture, Reiki. I, I feel that, that, sort of heals my own body, um, and I'm neurotic about what I eat, I use my Vitamix every day of my life. Good. <laughs> and um, the other thing is, if I have a really bad day, I have a little Miata,
2: and I get, put the top down, and I just drive around. Good for you. <laughs> you just get away. Do you see things in your life, as a psychic, do you see things that pertain to you that's going to happen, or you're going to meet somebody, or... Did you know I was going to come see you or I was going to come interview you? Yeah, well, you do, you do. And I think most psychics have this problem. You see it, but you don't believe it. Oh. You know,
7: it's kind of like that.
2: I find it amazing. Again, I I use the word amazing over and over again, but I find if you're going to help somebody, there's so many ways to help different people. And what you offer, Lisa, for people, For children in terms of bereavement, their families has helped a lot of people already. Mm -hmm. And, And for you, Susan, what I've seen you do for me in my life to give me peace and resolution, but also hope that good things are coming. It's not all over. Stay tuned. One door may close, but something better may open up. And really, that's what I want to offer to the listeners out there. So if you would love any help from Lisa Weir, please contact her to help with the and counseling, and also with Susan Stockton to, to offer hope and what lays ahead. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll listen, and we'll talk next week. Take care. Music
1: Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.